Hello and welcome to another episode of Connecting the Dots. I'm Jake Lancaster, an internal medicine physician and the chief medical information officer for the Baptist system. Hey everybody, I'm H.F. Mason. I'm a general surgeon and chief medical officer at Baptist Memorial Hospital, DeSoto. And, and today we're, we're honored to have with us Harry Marshall to talk about his book, Detox, Declutter and Dominate, and also about the, the Pareto Principle. Perry, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Honored to talk to you fellas today. It's going to be fun. Well, uh, so, you know, our audience is, is mostly uh, you know, medical professionals and uh, a lot of physicians listen to this podcast. Can you tell the audience just a little bit about your background and, and what you do? So I am a, a consultant, an author, a speaker. I'm also an engineer by training and um I, I have some medical things I'm involved in as well. Um, I, I'm known mostly for business and marketing books, but I also started a cancer research foundation. Um, and uh, I'm one of the founders of a group called the Cancer and Evolution Working Group under the American Association of Cancer Research. So I've got my fingers in a lot of pies and I, I talk to physicians and scientists quite often. So. Um, and uh, the, the, the Pareto Principle is highly relevant to everybody. So I'm glad we're here talking about this today. Well, Perry, once again, thank you very much for being here. And, you know, I, I read your, your, your book, De, uh, you know, Detox, Declutter and Dominate. And, you know, now that this is the first of the year, everybody's, you know, wanting to lose weight, wanting to declutter or, or do whatever. And so it, it's really it's really re relevant to this time of year. But, um, you know, Jake and I are fairly new in in our continuous improvement journey and, and we're always wanting to learn more. And I remember when I first started studying and learning, I did read about the Pareto principle and I just found it very, very fascinating. And, and for our listeners, why don't you give us an overview of actually what the Pareto principle is? Well, so most people have probably heard somewhere that an Italian economist 100 years ago named Pareto figured out that no matter what country he studied, 20% of the people owned 80% of the wealth in real estate and the other 80% only owned 20%. And when I um, got into sales and marketing, I remember reading a book that said, 80% of your sales come from 20% of your customers. And I, I wasn't sure if that sounded right. And I ran a QuickBooks report and I'll be darned, it was exactly right. Like, like I went down through the pages and it had this cumulative and it was like, dang, like as soon as like we start at the biggest customer and as soon as we're at the 80th percentile, that's 80% of the business. And then, and, but I didn't really get it. And I think most people don't. Uh, and, and what they don't get is how unequal most things are. Uh, they also don't get that this is actually like a law of physics. It is so everywhere. Like once you see it, you can't unsee it. And on top of that, it's fractal, which means there's an 80-20 inside an 80-20, inside an 80-20, inside an 80-20. And you would have to look no further than any collection of hospital records to verify this. Any set of financial records, um, you could pick any 
Um, 80% of the people have, uh, 80% of the heart attacks are experienced by 20% of the population or 20%. Um, it, 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 it goes on and on and on. And, um, and so I, I'm in marketing. It's everywhere in marketing, but it's everywhere in medicine. It's everywhere in finance. And I was like, how, how was it that I wasn't, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I really even knew this. Um, I think kids should know this by the time they're seven years old, uh, as soon as they're old enough to know what a percentage is. And so it's an incredibly powerful tool for finding how, so, okay, we're in a new year. How am I going to be more effective? How am I going to be less wasteful? So yeah, we can go into some examples of just exactly where this is. It's like the most obvious thing that you never saw until somebody pointed it out to you. And hopefully today we can point that out to people. Sure. Yeah, no, I've definitely heard it in other places, you know, in you know, computer software, they say what 80% of your users use 20% of your product. Yes. Uh, you know, can certainly see it in the clinics where about, you know, 20% of your patients take up 80% of your time. You know, yes. certainly see that. Yes. Um, but, but, you know, now that we we're able to recognize that in a lot of different areas, what do we do with that knowledge once exactly. we have it? Yeah. Well, so there are two ends to 80-20. And so one end is the elimination and disqualification part. And the other is the increased focus part. So, so kind, of the, kind of the vital few and the, uh, what's the other part? Um, the, so, the trivial mini. The trivial mini. Yeah, yes. that's right. Okay, so, so, so let's talk about elimination. So not only is, so it, there's 80-20, but then there's 80-20 squared. 80-20 squared says that 20% of 20% of what you do generates 80% of 80% of what you want. So that math is 4% produces 64%. And then you can go another level, 1% produces 50%. So 50% of your hospital's income comes from 1% of your patients. And that is true. Go go crunch the numbers, you'll find out it's true. 80 uh, 50% of a physician's time is taken by 1% of the staff or 1% of the patients. And so with with any customer situation, you should start asking the question, well, should I be helping this person in the first place? Can I? Can we even solve this problem? Um, now, I can't speak to the legalities or the political correctness or anything like that, but I think everybody deserves to be asking, should I even be solving this problem in the first place? Is this a condition I can even treat? Um, and, and so on. And most of us are going to find there's, like in most businesses, there's there's customers we shouldn't take. There's products we shouldn't sell. Um, there there's there's treatments that don't do anybody any good. And I'm not here to tell anybody which ones they are. You guys can all you you know your <laughs> medical professionals you can figure that out. Um, um, and but then then there's then there's the hyper focus of you know, there are situations where you can shoot fish in a barrel, so to speak, and you can be incredibly effective with one or two things. Um, 
and and so like in your in your time in the morning um most people start their day in in their email box or their text messages or or you know maybe there's a project management system or some software that tells you what you're supposed to be doing today most people start their day like the i mean the average professional they start their day in their email box well what am i supposed to do today that right off the bat is putting you on the wrong foot i think you should start your day with with like a notebook or a piece of paper and say so what is actually important today because if you have a to-do list with 20 things, I guarantee you that four of those things are more valuable than the other 16 put together. Uh, a really good question to ask yourself when you start in the morning is, what one thing, if I got it done by noon, I could legitimately rationalize taking the rest of the day off? Mm, I like and the sound of that. Most of us aren't going to take the rest of the day off, or or maybe we couldn't. I don't know. If, HF probably will. You know, I, can't, I wouldn't put it past. Them. If if you start that one thing, and, and here, here here's another another thing that I found to be true across the board, anywhere, anytime. Not only not only are the top five percent of your to do list. Um like two thirds of the value, like you've got, you've got 20 things, 5% of 20 is what? Uh, one, it's one. One thing is more valuable than two thirds of the rest of that list. If you go to the bottom of the list, the bottom 5% of what you do every day is counterproductive. It is actually moving you backwards. If you do that, you will be worse off than if you didn't even do it at all. If you can start your day by identifying what's the one thing that would be so valuable if I if I did it by 11, I could take the rest of the day off. And what's the one thing, the best thing I could possibly decide not to even do most of us will get back an hour of our life every day. Hmm. You know, I think that you know, you know, part of your book, you obviously obviously talk about uh, declutter, and that's something that we all have a difficult time doing. Um, taking things off our plate, um, prioritizing the things that matter, I think is what you're you're getting at. And, and we see this a lot as healthcare providers, as, as physicians. You know, often within a day or within a year, you know, you're bombarded with all these demands, external demands from quality, from you know, finance, from patients, from everybody else. And um, you don't have enough time to do it all. And but we try to. And so I think that's what you're getting at is, is trying to really identify the, the one to two to three things that, that matter and focus on those. And And those one or two things are almost always things that are solidly in your wheelhouse and either you could do do them in your sleep or um, you have a almost preternatural instinct about how those things should be done. I mean, every hospital has physicians that are just amazing. Like how, do, how does that, how, do, how does he do it, right? You're a surgeon, right? There are surgeons that just do amazing work 
how much of their time is spent mucking around with institutional bureaucracy or being in meetings that somebody thought they should be in, right? Or or uh, filling out paperwork. Um, like, so if I could use an analogy um, in sales, there's there's always in in any company that has a bunch of salespeople, there's always like one guy who's absolutely amazing. He could sell ice to Eskimos, but his boss is on him all the time about why can't you get your expense reports in on time? And why can't you, you know, your, what, your travel receipts are a mess and give the guy an assistant and have the assistant organize the travel receipts, right? How could this not be true of highly skilled professionals? Like I, the, the more skilled a professional is, the more eccentric they are. And, and probably the worst they are at doing like all of these other things that people want them to do. Well, why can't your department be organized so that the support staff is doing the stuff that that amazing surgeon really doesn't want to do anyway? And, and this doesn't apply only to an amazing surgeon. It really applies to everybody. There's things that all of us are good at. There's things all of us really are not good at. You know, and, and another example that, you know, the Pareto principle or Pareto charts that I found to be really useful is when we're talking about improvement and specifically in healthcare. A lot of times we have something that we want to improve. For instance, we, we have a problem with medication errors and we don't know where to start. And a Pareto chart is an excellent way. You, you, you break down, you, you Okay, we've had 500 medication errors. You categorize those into, let's say, a half a dozen or eight different categories, and then you put them in a in a chart. Mm-hmm. And you know, you're going to have the vital few. You know that that when you when you plot that chart out in in 80 at that 80 percent mark, you say, okay, these are the things that we should work on. Now, how is that chart created? That, that's, I mean, do you, I know you can sit there and eyeball it, but I've seen some that have a little curved line that, that, mm-hmm. are you following me? So that's a beautiful example. And it, it's, one of the things I like about it is it's so overwhelming when you start, right? It's like, well, our hospital had 567 medication errors last year. Um, here, Susie, uh, figure out how to make these lower. And it's like, oh my word. What do I do with these? Well, 80-20 says, so So first off, it says that 80% of them probably only happened once and or were not a very big deal or for, like fortunately didn't kill anybody, was like, and, and mm-hmm. so, right? And, 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 and you need to ask, say criteria. So by what criteria would I judge something not a very big deal, thank God, right? And and what what's the flip side of that? What are the worst parts? So I'm probably going to have categories like the ones that cost the most money, the ones that cause the most patient harm, the ones that will cause death. Like there's situations where you know the tiniest little error could kill somebody, right? But there's only there's only like one percent of them, right? 
there's a very tiny percentage that are absolutely positively, they have to be to the milligram, right? And so your, your Pareto chart is probably, if you put it on a spreadsheet, you'll probably have several columns and, you know, anybody that's good with spreadsheets, like, well, let's sort by this column and what's the top five worst in, in that column. And this, let's sort again by this other column, what's the top five Usually, like people do this in in online advertising all the time. You also do it with a Facebook account or a Google account. It's the same thing, and or you know a, a, a budget spreadsheet. And if you just took the, the five worst situations from five columns, that's the 25 out of 567 that are probably two thirds of the cost, the damage, the negative effects, mm-hmm. and then. And so now we have a much smaller list and now you go 20% of the possible solutions to those 25 problems are going to solve 80% of our problem. So even if Susie only has from Tuesday to Thursday to analyze this data and give us some recommendations, we can knock out five or 10 of the of the most costly things and half of the damage of those medical errors goes away and we and so what could happen a possible outcome is we went from 567 errors this year to 480 next year but the cost of those errors dropped by three-fourths because we got rid of the most dangerous errors you know like well, we didn't amputate the wrong leg, so that's good, right? Um, maybe we gave somebody too much aspirin, but we didn't make a horrendous mistake. And then you can start chiseling into those lo- lesser issues later. Sure. And you can do this, by the way, in any department of your life. Uh, if you're trying to figure out how to get rid of your credit card debt, this is how you do it. Like, well, okay, what's the, you know, what's what's the 5% of my financial decisions that are creating two-thirds of my pain and suffering? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did want to mention your, your to our listeners that your book, uh, Detox, Declutter, and Dominate, it's, it's a very short read. There's some great examples in like you said in 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 all different areas of your life a lot in sales i you know i guess uh, you know you're back with your background a lot of it's in sales but also in your personal life as well and tell tell us the best way to uh how to find that book uh go to amazon and detox declutter dominate by perry marshall we uh, i got a, a funny story to tell you about this originally this was a 150 page book And I, my co-author, he wasn't quite the co-author at that point. He said, Perry, I got an idea. Send me your manuscript. Okay, sure. Uh, He's a very close friend of mine. He sent it back a week later. He goes, Perry, I 80-20'd your book. I was going to say he applied the Pareto principle to your book, huh? He did. He chopped. He chopped a 50,000-word manuscript down to 8,000 words. And he said, this is a much better book than what you had 
And um, I forget how many pages that book is. It's like 25, 18, I don't know. It's 20 some pages long. And everything, like there is not a wasted word on the page. And so the book is an example. Uh, it's not a very expensive book. I think it's about 10 bucks on Amazon. But like there's not a single word wasted in the book. And it is designed for any professional who wants more results it's a great beginning of the new year book because I guarantee you that at least 20% of your day is being for all practical purposes wasted. And in fact, probably 5% of your day is taking you backwards from your goals and your objectives or what your department needs, what your patients need, what your finances need. And so, there's a lot that you can chop out and give yourself breathing space. There's a lot you should say no to. And my experience of people in large organizations, it's like the longer you've been there and the more of a fixture you are and the more people know you, like you, trust you, respect you, the more people you get called into meetings all the time. There's all these phone calls and, and everything. And a lot of it is unnecessary. And like I, as a CEO of a company, um, my staff is trained, don't waste Perry's time. Don't bring things to Perry that somebody else could figure out. If And, and anybody in a highly paid position, a highly responsible position, a person who's caring for a lot of people, which is the case in a hospital, right? A nurse. A nurse has a set of patients that she should be dealing with, and some of them are in very serious situations. How many things can we take off of her plate? Because if she's got a whole bunch of administrative trivia that she has to deal with, that's just that many. Charting an epic, Jake. <laughs> We're working on that, actually. Her brain cells need to be devoted to those patients in the ICU. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's definitely time to think about something. She should be thinking about how can I make that guy in room 136 um, more comfortable and get out of here sooner. Sure. Yeah, it's definitely a problem in medicine that we have. We have physicians, you know, doing menial tasks that can be handled by somebody else. We have nurses doing the same, and it's it's a huge problem. And, and part of it's regulatory, part of it's internal structure, and, and not having enough. Uh, I guess the ability to hire more staff, but yes, I mean, elimination, I think is, is one of the things that we struggle with. We're always good at adding something extra, trying for something else. Um, you know, I'm very guilty of joining every single meeting that comes across and creating new ones and adding <laughs> HF and making him come. That's uh, right. <laughs> That's right. You, you know, uh, uh, an exercise I would like to recommend that any department do, whether it's a tiny little department or a big department, is sit everybody down uh, and buy pizza and have a really honest conversation. What jobs are in your plate that you really shouldn't be doing that somebody else would frankly enjoy more and do better and vice versa? Um, and it's probably initially an uncomfortable conversation because all of us feel like, well, I should do my part and I should shoulder my burden and, and all of that. And I should just do this without complaint. It's not about complaining. It's about being effective. 
Um, and I had a I had a a tennis club, <laughs> interestingly enough, client do this, and they got they got all their staff and their coaches and everybody, and they put everybody together, and it's like, okay, what are what are you guys good at and not so good at, and how should we shuffle around? And it was one of the 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 manager of that organization told me it was one of the most productive conversations his staff have ever had. And everybody after that meeting, they started doing things they enjoy more, less of the stuff they don't enjoy. They, it was just moving things around and they're all more productive and they're all more happy. Yeah, we did, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, we canceled a lot of things that we were doing, a lot of system-wide meetings that were happening daily, you know, or weekly meetings. Uh, we also introduced to our nursing staff at some of the hospitals during the kind of peak times what was called disaster documentation, where they only had to really hit on a few key elements. And, you know, the light stayed on. People still got care. You know, things yeah. worked. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, we were a lot more efficient at, at caring for some, some things. And so we are, and slowly but surely, you know, as things crept on, we added back in the, those old things. But now we're revisiting Mm -hmm. um, removing some of those things and hopefully it will stick. Um, it, go ahead. No, and I, I just want this is sort of a little side story. Just want to mention in, in the in the spirit of decluttering, a few years ago, my wife and I did we did the 30 day declutter challenge. And the way it worked is mm -hmm. on day one, you had to get rid of one thing. It could be a pencil or a pen. Day two, you had to get rid of two things. Day three, and you, you think it's going easy. But on day 25, when you're having to find 25 things to get rid of you got to get creative and but i will tell you that at the end of 30 days if you and your your spouse or, or partner have have gotten rid of 30 things you know i don't know i can't remember how many things it was you'll notice a big difference that's that's exactly the spirit and um most of us are asking so what do i need to go get or do or uh in order to be happier this year and, and how about what do you need to get rid of? Absolutely. Um, what toxic relationship do you need to get rid of? Or or what, you know, every department has somebody that doesn't belong there. <laughs> okay, that's the truth. And 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 uh, Jack Welch at GE, when, when GE was in this huge wave of success, and he was doing very well like 20 years ago, his policy was um, fire the bottom 20% every year. And it sounds really horrible and draconian, but at any given time, 10% of the people in any organization really belong somewhere else. And, um, you know, some of the best, I've been fired from five jobs, by the way. So, and uh, several of them, I can definitely tell you they were doing me a favor because nobody was really happy. Uh, and usually when you terminate somebody, they're kind of relieved because they sort of kind of vaguely knew that it was coming all along and everybody knew it wasn't really working. Um, and so, yeah, the, you'll notice how many like difficult and honest conversations are required if you're going to do 80-20. But boy, sure. they're some of the most productive conversations you ever have. I bet. Well, well, Perry, I really appreciate you you talking with us. The 30 minutes has really gone by uh, very quickly. Um, any any last words that you want to leave the audience? Anything that you're working on uh, that you'd like to share? Um, well, um, I would just like to encourage you that 
um, if you can wrap your head around 80-20, and I, I have another book called 80-20 Sales and Marketing, which which goes much deeper, and it's not just for sales and marketing people. You anybody any professional can pick up that book, skip the obviously marketing chapters, and 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 learn a lot from it. But 80-20 is one of the most powerful things you could ever master. And not only that, it's like, well, there's first degree black belts and there's third degree black belts and there's ninth degree black belts. It is incredibly powerful. It applies to just about everything you ever do in your life. And for some reason, they don't teach it in school. <laughs> so um, I just want to encourage you, if, if you make 80-20 your mantra in 2022, it's going to be a much more productive year. And my mentor, Richard Koch, who, who taught me a lot of 80-20, he has this really profound saying. He said, he said, life is not short. Life is long. He goes, there's a lot of minute, hours, minutes, and seconds in life, and most people just waste them. If, if you have things on your bucket list and you put them, like you bring them to the front, you go, all right. How am I, you know, I've always wanted to go to Argentina. How am I going to get to Argentina? We got to get there in the next five years. And you start moving that stuff up and you start like, I just wasted an hour and a half doing that thing. I, I am never going to waste an hour and a half doing one of those jobs again. That, And, and I'm just going to say, no, your life will get better and better. And when you get to the end of your life, you will check off the things on that bucket list. And thereby, the, the book is Detox, Declutter, and Dominate, How to Excel by Elimination. And uh, I highly recommend it. And you also have a website. Is that right? Uh, PerryMarshall.com. You can you can come to my website and put in your email address and, and go down the rabbit hole, which goes very deep. So, yes. Well, thanks a lot, Perry. Great. Both of you guys. Thank you. It's an honor. Yes, thank you so much. And, and thanks, everybody, for listening to Connecting the Dots. Remember, if you find the link in the show notes, you can redeem this episode for CME credit. Thank you.